You're listening to the preaching podcast of the Amazing Grace Baptist Church located in Mount Airy, North Carolina, where Dr. Jonathan Barker is the pastor. We pray that the following message will be a blessing to you. Acts chapter number 16, verse number 30 says this. Of course, the, the context here is the conversation of the Philippian jailer. And um, Paul and Silas has been locked up in prison. Now in verse number 30, and they brought them out and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thine house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, and to all that were in his house. And he took them the same hour of the night, and washed their stripes, and were baptized, he and all of his house straightway, when he had brought them into his house, he set meat before them and rejoiced, believing in God with all of his heart. I'm interested in a phrase in verse number 30. Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Father, I pray that you help us this morning. I pray, God, that your divine will would be done. I pray, God, that you'd use us today as we preach. God, you know the need of this service. God, no doubt in my mind, somebody here is in need of salvation this morning. God, there's no doubt about that. And I pray, God, that you'd help me to make the way of salvation plain and simple this morning. I pray, God, that you'd preach through me and use me, God, to bring glory and honor to your name. I pray, God, that you'd help us say nothing, Lord, that you wouldn't want us to say in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You can be seated this morning. In the context of the Scripture, Paul and Silas has been in deep trouble, and um, they was in trouble simply for serving the Lord. They had been locked up in a jail cell, but the Lord delivers them uh, from the prison cell here in Acts chapter number 16. For the sake of time, I'm not going to look at all of that, but now that they have been delivered from the prison cell and the people have been loosed, uh, uh, the Philippian jailer is in fear of his life. And he cries out, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And um, Paul and Silas begins to talk to him here. And he says this, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thine house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord, uh, and to all that were in his house. And I want to talk to you about that subject this morning for just a few minutes. Sirs... Uh, what must I do to be saved? Or what must I do to be saved? Now, I believe by way of introduction, as we look at this briefly this morning, and I am aware of the time, but I do want to be obedient to the Lord at the same time. But as we think about this statement today, uh, uh, probably the first thing that comes in our mind was, is this, what does it mean uh, to be saved? What does it mean to be saved? Now, I understand that we're in the Bible Belt, what they consider the Bible Belt, of America today, and I understand that uh, uh, we're living in a society and we live in a community where you can't sling a dead cat without hitting three or four churches. There's churches all around us, but it would be surprising to us today uh, to know how many people really do not understand uh, and really do not comprehend what salvation is. And whenever we say, what must I do to be saved, uh, 
what are they talking about saved is simply to rescue uh, from harm or from danger. I'm sure many of us has watched TV and saw someone as they were saved from danger. If someone was uh, entrapped in rapid water and thought they was going to die and a, a, a rapid water team goes in and gets them and saves them uh, from that immediate danger if someone is trapped in a vehicle and uh, they cut them out of the vehicle, they save them from that immediate danger. We understand that, but what the Bible is talking about here is our soul. It is not our physical body today, but it is our soul today. And the Philippian jailer is saying this, what must I do for my soul uh, to be saved? Now I'm not adding to the Word of God. Uh, that's simply what he is saying is, how can my soul be saved? Uh, I want to say this to you today. The Bible said uh, uh, in Romans 3.23, uh, for all have sinned uh, and come short of the glory of God. Uh, for us to be able to have fellowship with God, there uh, must be salvation in our life. You see, now that we're or now that we're born into this world, and Adam and Eve was created uh, in this world in a perfect environment, but because of their sin, uh, sin entered into the world. Their choice brought sin into the world, and, and you know what happened? God came looking for Adam and Eve uh, in the cool of the day, but they had hid themselves, and God didn't have fellowship with them again uh, until there was coats of skin uh, that was put on their back. They had to be a price paid uh, for the sin that they committed. Every one of us today are sinners. Every one of us, no matter who we are, no matter how good we think we are, uh, we're all sinners condemned to hell today. And uh, now that we have uh, reached, and I say it this way, we have reached an age uh, of accountability. You say, what is that age of accountability? It varies. There is no one certain age of accountability because people understand the gospel and comprehend the gospel at different points in their life but once that you learn that Jesus came and died and was buried and rose again the third day for your sin you have reached the age of accountability and you need to be saved. Saved from what? Saved from harm. Saved from wrath. Saved from a devil's hell to come one day he said what must I do to be saved now as you look at that and you think about that he said believe on the Lord Jesus Christ probably another question that would come into our mind this morning is this who is this man the Lord Jesus Christ who is he there's a lot today that say they are God there is a lot that claim that they serve a God uh, Allah Mother Mary, on and on Joseph Smith, on and on the list goes this morning. But who is this that Paul says you must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ? Who is this Lord Jesus Christ? Well, I would say this according to Matthew 3.17. He is the Son of God. He said in low a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. He is God Himself. Because the Bible said in John 1.1, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You say, well preacher, how do you get that that's Jesus Christ? Because verse 14 said this, 
this, and the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. He's just not the Son of God. He is God. Jesus Christ is not just a second person of God or an attribute of God. He is God. It is God incarnated in the flesh. And hear me and hear me well. The precious words of this Bible today, not the cross references or the notes in your Bible, but the words of the Word of God is God on the printed page today. It is Jesus on the printed page today. He is the Son of God. He is God. I thought about this. He is the sacrifice for sin. Listen to what the Bible said in 2 Corinthians 5.21. For He hath made Him to be sin for us, who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. He is the ultimate sacrifice for our sin. What did the Bible say? The Bible said this, and can I just say this? That's what matters. The Word of God. Bible says this, for the wages of sin is death. You know what the price is for your sin today? It's death. You said, preach, I'll work it out. No, you won't. It's death. The wages of sin, the payment for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. What was the gift of God? For God so loved the world that He what gave His only begotten Son. He is the sacrifice of sin. What did Jesus do? He died on Calvary for you and for me. He that knew no sin became sin. The sin of all the world was placed upon Jesus that day. He is the ultimate sacrifice of sin. But I thought about this. Who is this man? The Lord Jesus Christ. I thought about this. He's the only way to heaven. He's the only source of salvation. Uh, listen to what your Bible said in 1 John 5, 12. He that hath the Son hath life. He that hath not the Son of God hath not life. Jesus said this in John 14, 6. Jesus saith unto them, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's in him and him alone. You say, preach, I'll work my way to heaven. You'll die and go to hell. Amen. You say, preach, I'll, I'll do this and I'll do that. No, the only thing you can ever do to go to heaven is realize you're lost and on the road to hell and realize there's a man named Jesus that paid the ultimate price and repent of your sins and ask Him into your heart to save you. That is the only source of salvation today. There is no other way. I thought about this. What does it mean to be saved? And... Who is this man, the Lord Jesus Christ? And then I thought about this. What is the method of salvation? We know that He is the way. He's the truth. He's the life. But how do we accept that? How do we receive that? How do we get that gift? What is that method? Well, look what He said. The Bible said in verse number 31, And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe carries within a matter of trust. It is choosing to trust Him and nothing else to save you and take you to heaven. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. 
believe, I, I, I started studying this, and I really believe this in all of my heart. Believing on the Lord Jesus Christ is believing on the gospel. It's believing on the death, the burial, the resurrection of the Lord. Amen. It is the gospel. Uh, it's the gospel. It's believing that you are a lost sinner and that He is a loyal Savior. It is believing that you will go to hell without the blood of Christ. I thought about this. Believing is repenting of our sins and calling on Christ for salvation. You say, well, the devil believes and trembles. It's believing in the existence of God. He does not believe in God to wash his sins away. He does not believe in God to rescue him from hell because hell was created for him. When we as a child of God believe on God, it's not just believing in his existence and salvation. It is believing that God did send his son, that his son did die on a cross, that his son did raise one third and glorious morning, that his his son did ascend back into the heavens. And when we do that, we are saying everything within us, we know we can do nothing else. So we are turning to him and believing that he will. That's what repentance is. Listen to this verse, 1 Thessalonians 1 9. For they themselves show of us what manner of entering we had unto you, and how we turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. That we turn to God from idols. When we turn to God believing in Him, we are turning from this world and saying, I realize there's nothing that I can do within myself but put my faith in Him. And I say this at salvation. I hope I don't lose you right here. But salvation, believing, and repentance go hand in hand together. It happens at the same time. Because at that moment, you realize there's nothing within yourself that you can do but believe on Him. And when you do that, then the Bible says that we're saved. The Bible says that we're saved. Here's three things about His salvation. It was scriptural. It was scriptural because the revealed conversion. What did they say? They said, They preached unto Him the Word of the Lord. So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by what? The Word of the Lord. It was simple because of the radical change. So how do you get that? What did he do? He was the Philippian jailer. What does he end up doing? The men that he has beaten, he's now got them washing their stripes. That's a pretty radical change. The very man that he had once beat, he's now cleaning him up from the stripes that he put on him. But it was sudden... And caused a rejoicing condition. Why? Because the Bible said he went away rejoicing with his house. I would say it this way. From faithlessness to faith. From beating to bathing. From rejection to rejoicing. Why? All comes from plan. Why? All because he simply believed in the Lord. All because he simply came to himself and said within me, there's nothing else I can do. You'll never, you'll never be saved believing in yourself. Did you hear what I just said? 
you'll never be saved. I want you to see something right here. That Philippian jailer had been beating Paul and Silas. Had been uh, no telling what all they had done to him. And you know what? The Philippian jailer didn't do this. Hey boys, I'm sorry. I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to take you over here and I'm going to clean you up. I'm going to put some new clothes on you. And then I'm going to talk to you about salvation. So preach what you say. Here's similar to what I'm saying. The Philippian jailer didn't try to reform himself. When he saw Jesus for who he was, all he could do was believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And once he done that, and salvation took place in his heart, then he said, Hey boys, come over here. Let me make things right. Here's the problem with society today. You're trying to get everything fixed in your life before you give everything to God. And you'll never do it. You'll never do it. You'll never straighten yourself up. You'll never straighten yourself out. Let me tell you the reason why. You don't have the power to do that. You don't have the power... Tell you the reason you don't have the power to do that? Because of a demonic oppression. And before salvation, it can be a demonic possession. You can be possessed with that before salvation. After salvation, you can't. But you can before salvation. And every time you try to straighten yourself up, that demonic oppression is going to come against you and keep you from doing that. That's the reason, look, Paul Paul did not look at him that day and say, you need to go down there at your house and get your house in order. Are you hearing me this morning? He didn't say, you need to go down there and get your house in order. Paul didn't say, hey, you need to clean us up. We're the men of God that you've been chastising. Paul simply said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And that Philippian jailer done that. And after he done that, what happened? His whole house got straightened up. He apologized to the man of God. And he fixed the wounds that he had caused him. And then they sat around and rejoiced together. That's what the Word of God said. Salvation. So simple this morning. And if you're trusting in anything else to get you to heaven, I want you to hear me this morning. It's not going to work. It's not going to work. The reason a lot of people have trouble getting saved is because they're too smart. You hear what I just said? They're too smart. I, I, don't, I don't mean this ugly. And I don't mean this rude. But a man that has no education it's very easy to lead him to the Lord. But a man that's educated, he tries to analyze everything. And it's hard to ever get him to see. All he's got to do is believe in the Lord. And when you believe in Him for salvation, you're turning from the world to God. And that is repentance. That is trusting Him with everything. Yesterday, 
I'll give you this illustration and we'll go home. Yesterday, I, I went up to Brother William's house yesterday evening and, and uh, I hadn't seen him in a while. Man, I love him. He's just a dear old saint. I went up there and Olivia rode up there with me and we sat around and we talked about guitars and we talked about the Bible and just, just talked in general. Talked about the summer and the spring and the tent meeting coming up and the tent going to Sparta in July. And just talking about different things. And here's what he said. He said, Preacher. I said, Yes, sir, brother. You remember I told you about two or three months ago I needed to have a talk with you. I said, Yeah, I remember. He said, Well, I still do. And you're here, so we're going to have it. And I said, Well, say on, Doc. And he said, Well, I've been talking to Miss Patsy. I said, okay. He said, I'm going to die one day. And I thought, I mean, this just took a completely different turn than where I thought we was going. And I said, you're right. He said, "Uh, I'm going to be buried up there at the church. I said, yes, sir. We'll make sure that's taken care of. He said, up there at Amazing Grace. He said, that's my home now. And I said, we'll make sure it's took care of. He said, Josh Jenkins is to preach, and you're to preach. I said, yes, sir. He said, you hear me, boy. You preach like it's Sunday morning. I said, I will. He said, don't let them open me up. I said, I won't. I'll make sure they don't. He said, I want people to remember me for who I was when I was walking around. I said, I'm the same way. I said, I already told my wife the same thing. He said, death's coming to all of us, preacher. I just want to make sure I got everything in order. And I said, well, just the other day, my daddy and mama handed me an envelope of their funeral arrangements and, 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 and the funeral home that does it. And everything's already paid for. They've already got their coffin picked out and everything. And I said, you want me to tell you something else, preacher? And he said, what? I said, just the other day, Madeline was with me at Moody's. And I said, I sat down with Jeanette and told Jeanette that if she's still alive, to make sure she took care of my family. That she was the one to take care of my funeral. She was the one to take care of my wife and take care of my kids and make sure everything was taken care of. And I said, she looked at me and she said, well, I'm a whole lot older than you are. And I said, I looked back at her and said, yeah, but we both know young people die every day. I hope I get to live to see my kids grow up. I hope my wife and I gets to sit on the front porch of a cabin in the middle of nowhere one day and rock our grandbabies. I hope so. I hope I get to walk my daughter down the aisle and give her away one day. But you know what? I may never live to see that. That's just the reality of life. It's appointed unto man once to die. Once. We're not getting to do this thing again. I want you to hear me this morning. If it happens before the sun goes down, it's all right for a couple people to try to comfort Leslie. Bless God, you better come back to church at 6 o'clock tonight. Choir, you, Brother Matt, you better put that choir up there. It'll be all right. You can go back and see Leslie after service is over. You put them up there and you let them sing. Whoever's singing special tonight, you let them sing. Whoever y'all want to preach tonight, Brother Robert,
Brother Rodney, y'all just put somebody in that pulpit. You better go to church. Because I'll be in a far better place. I don't want to die, but I'm ready to die. I'll ask you a question this morning. Are you ready to die? This life is serious. He said, sir, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Thou shalt be saved. If you're here this morning, it don't matter if your name's on a church roll. It don't matter if you taught a Sunday school class today. It don't matter if you stood in the choir and sung. If you're not saved this morning, if there's never been that time in your life where you asked Jesus to come into your heart and you believed on Him for salvation, not just in His existence, but on Him for salvation. Boy, I beg of you this morning. I beg of you today. Don't worry about what everybody else is going to say. It don't matter. It don't matter. Let me tell you what happened. He went to his house. In other words, to his family. And when you get saved, you get a new family. You get the family of God. And let me tell you what the family of God will do. They'll rejoice just like his family did. Sir, what must I do to be saved? Are you saved this morning? Are you ready to meet God? Are you ready for eternity?